Hey guys, welcome to the Lane Foundation's podcast. This is your co-host, Davis Hambrick. Joining alongside me today is Mr. Walker Lott. What's up, Walker? Davis, what's going on, brother? Nothing. I love the shirt. Identity, man. I love it. That's right. Identity. Identity. You got to know whose you are, not just That's who right. you are. That's right. That's right. What you been up to, man? Man, hanging out in Atlanta today. Had a good week. Got my dad's birthday tomorrow. Got my niece's birthday party on Sunday. So big family weekend again. Last weekend had another niece's birthday party right. up in Knoxville. It, like the, the fall, like August time, it's just nothing but traveling to birthday parties for children, and it's right. fun because usually the but usually the parties are hype. Last week gymnastics area had that <laughs> foam pit. She gets to just get on that trampoline and, and <laughs> hop in there, you know, as high as you can go. It's sweet. Right. That's awesome. Man, what you up to? Nothing much. Just been hanging out, ready to be over this COVID quarantine. Ready to yeah, get back I bet to you work. Are. Driving myself crazy, but ready to get back. Love it, man. Well, today we had an awesome guest, Isaac Ostrom. He is out in California. He has a YouTube channel called the tile coach so go check him out if y'all are interested i would he's awesome incredibly knowledgeable dude knows what he's talking about he's got some really cool videos he, and what we talked about uh, in the podcast today was he's really great at talking about his failures as well you know one of his youtube videos talks about a shower system that he put in that a couple of years down the road failed and he'll, he goes back and looks at it and shows why you know, and he does all these different videos of shower systems that didn't work or mistakes he might have made. And he, he puts beautiful showers in. His company's grown tremendously. Dude's awesome. Such a fun time. We had an incredible time talking with him, learning a little bit more about him. Uh, and got to learn a little bit about the tile industry in general that I had no idea about. Davis, what do you right. think? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Isaac was a, a really awesome guy. I loved his perspective that he had. You know, you start to see this. Most of the guys that yeah. – uh, I've been around in, in construction for a while. They have really good perspective, good wisdom. But what I loved is just kind of that same thing. He talked about his failures openly. And just it's that thing we talked about with Jen Lacey two podcasts back now was just be vulnerable. Just be you, be mm -hmm. who you are, and be vulnerable. Be willing to, to break bread with somebody because most of the times whenever you admit it or whatever it may be, that other person's probably struggling with something similar as you. So. Yeah. Just be out there, be willing to be vulnerable. But the other thing I loved about it was just um, how he talks about mentoring and talks about the trades. Uh, you know, that's what we're all about. It's one of the the, the, the founding concepts of Laying Foundations podcast is just to talk about, you know, how we're going to bring light of the trades and just the foundation of respect for our, our skilled tradesmen. So love those two points, love who he is, and I just really appreciate getting to know Isaac. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. I'll let you jump right in there. Please welcome to the show, Isaac Austin. Isaac, welcome to the show, brother. We are so excited to have you here. I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, just to start off with, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? All right. Well, my name's Isaac Ostrom, uh, otherwise known as Tile Coach on YouTube. And I've been a tile contractor since 2003 is when I got my contractor's license. I got into the trade uh, around 1995, and I was just helping my uncle and uh, that's how I got introduced to it. Uh, my dad was always, he was a school teacher, but he was always uh, working on things around the house. He, he was kind of a stonemason. He could build stuff. Um, he was a gardener. He can, he pretty much liked to do everything around the yard. And we grew up in the hills. 
um, just on a couple acres. And so there's always something to fix. And so I grew up working around the house with my dad. So I had some construction knowledge, but not too much. And then when I was going to college, uh, my uncle was a tile guy. And so I started helping him during the summers and, you know, some Saturdays and stuff like that. And so that's how I was introduced to the trade. Uh, when I first started doing tile work, uh, it was really, I thought it was just really cool. Um, you know, the tile guys, they were just kind of like rock stars to me at that age. You know, they were just the stuff they could pull off and they do. And they were just a little bit different. You know, they were, again, kind of almost like, I would say like rock stars. You know, my the setter that I worked for that my uncle had hired was, um, you know, kind of eccentric and just kind of a wild man, a great tile setter. He was trained in San Francisco in the Union back in the 80s. And so he had all the skills that, um, you know, to be a really good tile guy. And so there's in our area growing up in California, there's always been a lot of pride around uh, the tile trade and probably other trades, too, though. But I'm not too familiar with them. But, um, you know, they, they had a big union presence and we did some methods that were different than the rest of the country. And everybody just thought, you know, they were they were the best. It was very competitive between tile setters and tile companies. So it really brought out like some really good craftsmen and artists and, and uh, just really good tile guys. So that's kind of how I got into it. And although I still was trying to go to school, um, I just, just fell into the building trades. I, I got my associate's degree and then um, I was going to be a school teacher because that's what my dad did, and my grandpa, and you know, kind of following in that line. But um, you know, after my third year of college, I was just like, no, nah, man, I, I just don't want to sit in a classroom anymore. Started making some more money and stuff like that. And then um, um, so I'm a family man too. So um during that time we had my first daughter and right after my second daughter was born, we moved down to the valley here. So we moved from the foothills of the Sierra Nevada here in Northern California down to closer to the Sacramento area, which is just down in the valley. And we just were looking for more opportunity at that time. We had a young family. I was probably 24 at that time. My wife was about 23 and we had two little kids and two little girls, my baby girls. And, um, I kind of had a, I was, I was still just doing, you know, working for my uncle doing, picking up some side gigs here and there, but I kind of had a big break with uh, another good family friend who was down here just randomly needed a, a tile project done. So yeah. So anyways, their tile guide flaked on them. They, they knew I did tile work. So they just hit me up and they're like, Isaac, can you come finish this? And I did, and it came out good. And happened to be that they had a, a in with a local tile shop and so they started handing out my card and from then you know that was like 2002 2003 it was on and you know it was just like from then on my phone never stopped ringing and i just uh you know kept it going right Isaiah, i love that i mean i appreciate you telling your story i love hearing about people's story and i think it's really cool to think about how you said your dad was a teacher and you're getting into tile. So you see the two things of maybe that's probably why you love to do YouTube and teach others because your dad, you know, you almost went and finished that degree in teaching. And then now you're teaching people about tile. I love that. that that's pretty cool. And I love to hear about your story. So I appreciate that. 
Um, tell me a little bit about the why California is so passionate about the tile industry. Like you said, there's a, your uncle was a little eccentric, but why is it that the West Coast side is, you know, just so big on tile setting and like the art of it? I often think about, you know, California in general a lot because this is my home. It's where I'm from. And, you know, I, I think the the California mentality or the, you know, there's, there's something about if you have, you've ever, have you ever been to California? Okay. So it's, I, I haven't traveled much outside of California. I've been to Idaho. I've been, um, we were just in Indiana. Um, you know, I've been to Texas and a few other places. Haven't spent too much time traveling around, but there is something different, different about California. And I've often thought about like what makes California, what it is. I mean, obviously it's a, a big state, right? One in every eight people, I believe lives in California in our country. That's how big it is. And so, wow. yeah, it's, you know, you think about that, you go, wow. But, you know, it's always attracted what like innovation, you know, we've had Silicon Valley, we've had the gold rush, we've had uh, Hollywood, we got all of this stuff that's come up, the arts, the culture. And I think it goes all the way back to the pioneer days when, you know, people were were getting away from whatever and trying to, to make a better life for themselves, whether that was a gold rush or, you know, coming from all over the world to Silicon Valley where the, the you know, the computer, you know, the Internet was born, all of all of this innovation technology. Um, I think it has just always attracted like this highly competitive atmosphere of people wanting more. And so I think that just kind of has, has gone into the tile trade. Same thing. It's, it's just like, cool. you know, people want to be the best. Right. And so any, you can go into like, even our, our town here in Sacramento, you can go down to the tile shop and, you know, there's just, there's just this attitude about tile guys, you know, they want to be the best, you know, they, they take pride in it. And um, so, yeah, it's a really cool thing. I, I, I don't know if that explained it right, but I yeah, think that yeah. has, has something to do with it. <laughs> Yeah, I love that perspective. That That's a really cool outlook on it. And that makes me think about, you know, the other thing you mentioned was there's like a tile setting union. And I've never, I mean, th that's not even heard of where we are in the South. So tell us a little bit about, a little bit about that. So, so I never grew, I never got into the union. Um, there's still a pretty strong union. Um, you know, union has declined, you know, union membership, I believe has declined over the years. It's not as strong as its heyday in the, you know, the eighties and the nineties. Um, but it, it basically made what it did for, for Northern California. And I, I believe in Southern California too, is that it, it made standards for installation that were taught down and passed, you know, to the apprentices and to the helper. And then they became the setters. And so these methods were passed down. So, uh, you know, we, we float, you know, I grew up floating our walls, which isn't done anywhere else in the country. A lot of mud work. We have hot mops, which is different. Um, and, you know, I, I think it just gave, it was a really good way of teaching a lot of different people. So the mess methods got standardized and passed down, which, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't, you know, I don't know now with so much information out there with YouTube and yeah. Instagram and people sharing ideas, I think it's kind of leveled that playing field where now everybody has access to seeing uh, different methods and what the best methods mm -hmm. and what pe people are doing. 
but yeah, I think that that played a back in, in those days, I think it played a part in creating the, the tile culture here in California. Guys, you brought up YouTube and you no, know, you, you have a, a pretty good YouTube channel going on and growing every time mm -hmm. I look at it, you get, keep on getting more subscribers to it. So what made you want to start a YouTube channel in the first place and kind of branch into that category? Yeah, so it was, um, I had a friend who was tr just trying to help me with some marketing. And so, you know, back in 2010, you know, he was doing a few other things for me. He was doing some cold call. The, the economy at that time was tough, right? Like 2010, we were scraping the bottom of the barrel for jobs. It, it wasn't definitely wasn't like it is now. So I had gone just to myself and a helper uh, I always stayed busy, but there were there were jobs where I didn't have another job in front of me. So uh, I helped. I had him helping me try to round up more work, just making cold calls to general contractors and uh, just passing out flyers and stuff like that. And one of his ideas he had was to do a YouTube channel. And he said, you know, if you can make a YouTube channel and kind of present yourself as a you know, an industry expert. He said, this will really help you get more jobs. And so he said, just, and so he told me, he said, just make a video on some tutorial, something that you do in tile, and we'll start with that. And so that was my very first video was a, it was a how to, how to float a shower video. And so I made that one and didn't think too much of it. I mean, some people were watching it, but gosh, it sat with, I don't know if you, if you guys have a YouTube channel, you probably know what it's like. You make a video and you're like, what? 46 views in, <laughs> in two weeks. You're like, how's, how are people going to see this? You know, you feel like that. And so I kind of left it alone. I, I made that video. Then I made, I think one more video, maybe like three or four months later on how to lay out a tile floor. And then the same thing, nobody's watching it. So I'm like, yeah, this is kind of pointless. Um, and just left it. And then like four or five years later, like, I think I just went back and checked. It was probably around 2015. And I was really busy between that, the time I started in 2010 and 2015, trying to just build up my own company because the economy started coming back. So during that time, we built our showroom. Uh, we moved um, from a, our original house to a bigger house. I mean, we just had a lot of stuff going on that I couldn't mess with the YouTube, but I did go back and check it and I noticed people had been subscribing to it. And, you know, I was probably up to like maybe, maybe a thousand subscribers. And so I was like, Oh, you know, okay, well people are kind of checking it out now. And so I made a couple more videos and then, then the more I made, then it just started going and going. And then I kind of had a break with one of my videos. I did a, a video on, on, Curdy, are you, are you familiar with Schluter Curdy? Okay, so yeah. I made a video with Schluter Curdy, and I was at the time I was one of the area's biggest um, Schluter guys, you know, because oh, again, we did all of the mud work here, and I always thought the Schluter Curdy was really cool. I just thought it was, you know, the orange. Um, I thought it was a really neat product, so I was one of the first ones in my area to use it, and so I was in with all the reps and everything. Well, I was, I was trying to promote their product. And so I started doing these testing videos and then I did a testing video that I built with the guys at Schluter, my Schluter reps. We had a big 
barbecue. I had like 10 other tile guys here and we built this cool demo out of Schluter Curdy. And so that, that was cool. But then I filled it up with water and over a week's time, the whole thing leaked out. And so um, I made a video on that and that just tripped everybody. That video kind of just, it didn't go viral, but around the tile community, that video got out. It ended up on, um, you know, the desk of the head of Schluter and he gave me a call, oh, but, but it was kind of, yeah, it was, it was a trip. I mean, it was good for YouTube. It was a lot of turmoil kind of in my life, my, because it was like my reps were pissed at me and I really had to make a decision at that time. Like, mm-hmm. am I going to like expose this? Cause for one, I've done a lot of these showers before. And for two, it's like, I'm kind of screwing over my sales reps, you know, yeah. there. Um, but I said, I decided, I, you know, I wrestled with, and I was like, I, I think tile guys need to know how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. And so I went ahead and put it out there. And anyways, that kind of got a lot of people looking at my videos and then it just kind of grew from there too. Once, once that happened, my subscribers really started going up. Tile guys started paying attention to me and it, it created kind of a, controversy again which is good for mm-hmm. you know media where there were guys saying you know oh it, it Schluter's the best it never leaks and then there's the guys who were like I knew it I knew <laughs> Schluter would leak and so um the way it turned out though is that there's um Schluter works for what it's intended to do which is a shower that's taken right. that dries out it's not meant to be like a bathtub, which we all had assumed it was. We thought it was a waterproof product. Okay. Um, it is a waterproof product, but the thin set that holds it together is not waterproof. So you can't let it sit underwater. Yeah. And so it was actually kind of cool what's happened from that because it's like, um, you know, Schluter's had to come clean a little bit and just be like, you know, admit that this is the way it works, you know it's a good product. It works, but it's not waterproof. And that's the way their early marketing was always Mm -hmm. pressing was it's a waterproof system. So now that everybody understands how it works, it's good. It's all good. And so, um, but yeah, that video really kind of got my, my YouTube ramped up. And then, then, um, I did a video on a failure and then that video actually went viral. So you guys might've seen that video. It's up to like, 2.2 million views or something but that video was a shower that i did like 13 well now it's probably 15 years ago wow it was a shower that i did and it leaked and failed and it was a product that the owners had purchased it was like a kit and i put it Mm -hmm. in and so i wasn't liable for it and i had them sign off on it at the time because we were doing hot mops and i was like you know i've never done this if you want me to use it I can't be liable for it because I've never even seen right. it before, but we'll do it. I'll follow the instructions and do it. Well, anyways, that thing failed and rotted out. So I actually made a video titled, I tiled this shower and it failed. And that just, again, that's just a catch when people saw that. Yeah. Like, this guy is showing like his mistakes. And then that, so that video went viral and I got a ton of subs and um, I went from like 10,000 subscribers to like 30 in the matter of like a week i mean that's it was just crazy like every day yeah it just shot up i think it shot up to a million views in like a week it was crazy that is yeah, oh so. my gosh i just got oh, sorry go for it oh yeah i was gonna say and so anyways then i knew there was a little niche and youtube 
if you if you do YouTube long enough, you'll find they want to put you in a niche that's going to have like a, a, a group of viewers that are loyal and, and looking for what you specifically have to offer. You know, YouTube is because they want to pinpoint their advertising. So they want to get as fine tuned of a viewership as possible with each channel. They want to get a demographic locked into your channel. So um, I found that the failure videos is what YouTube really wanted to see. So I always mix in like I try to get a failure video in like maybe once a month or once every couple months at least. And those videos do really good. And then I have my teaching videos kind of as fillers in there. And so I've got a pretty good system now. And, you know, a lot of it's figuring out what YouTube wants you to put on your stuff. It's yeah. a great point. Yeah. I love that because, that, you know, that was one of the things I actually wrote down. It was a different video, but I loved how you showed your failures. And mm -hmm. from a different side, it takes a lot of self-security of going, like you kind of wrestled with that with the whole Schluter and the reps, like you talked about was like, dang, do I really tell these guys, like, do I put this out? Do I, I'm sure the internal, what you were thinking about while you're about to post that was a lot. But one of the videos I, I talked about is the one where you talked about you had a client that was very particular and it was about the countertop that there was a crack in the scene with a light. And I just loved how you went through it. You just said, you know, it may have been my fault. I didn't show up to the to the meeting. I knew she was a particular client. I didn't communicate well. And man, I just want to give you kudos for that because it just showed, hey, you're taking ownership and sometimes you're going to lose money on it. But that reputation of what you did there really speaks volumes of who you are. So I want to give you kudos for that. But the other point I had uh, was really cool was I'm reading a book right now. It's con it's called Content Incorporated. I'm trying to get Walker to get into it. So I haven't started yet. Going to though. There you go. But you know, it's funny because you mentioned you're like two weeks and 46 videos. That's it. Like 46 uh, people that saw the video views, and you start to the wrestling. Like, man, do I really want to do this? And I heard something the other day, and it's from that book, and it was talking about like to pr to produce good content. It's a it's a struggle. So it takes like just time and time and time. You have to be like relentless in how you do it. But I don't really know where I'm going with that, but I just thought it was pretty cool. Those two points. Um, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things with YouTube and I have a lot of people that reach out and, you know, they want to do a YouTube channel and, you know, they'll send me a video and I'll check it out and give them tips. And one of the things that I think people miss most often is they try to be somebody who they're not. And I tell them, I say, man, YouTube just wants you to be authentic, be authentic, be yourself and just be okay with that. Uh, a lot of people want to just, you know, do all this stuff and like be in your face or, and I'm going, dude, that's not you. You got a great personality. Just, just be who you are. And if you are excitable and loud, Hey, that's who you are. Run with yeah. it. Don't try to be chill and quiet. But um, I, I always tell people, you know, be authentic, be who you are. Don't try to portray yourself as, as somebody you're not. Cause uh, YouTube and the viewers will see right through it. They'll just click off of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a competition. And that's the thing. When you start making videos, you got to look at it like, Hey, you know, this person who's watching this video has millions of other videos they can be looking at. Um, so you got to catch their attention within that first 10 seconds. Don't drag it on, get to the point. Don't start throwing up your logos and all this stuff. And, you know, no, get to the point of the video, hook them in there with what's going to happen in the video and just be straight about it. And don't, don't use clickbait. Don't do any of that stuff. 
and then you'll just slowly you'll get that viewership that that wants to see you because now they feel mm -hmm. connected with you because you're being real and so that's that's my my main advice for people who are you know in those early days because yeah it's tough and and to be honest most people just say to hell with it you know because it is hard you know it's not only hard work doing it it's hard work uh doing it and not getting any reward for it and not and not just not getting a word reward for it but there's a lot of um there can be a lot of negative feelings about putting yourself out there too uh things that you know you'll lose sleep at night and go man should i have said that or you know you'll get the comments coming in and you're just like oh man i shouldn't have done that or this or that so it is hard work but for me i mean it's paid off it's the persistence is paid off so i think everybody has to answer that for themselves whether they're willing to uh you know, run the gauntlet with the YouTube thing and really make it work because there's a lot of other things you can do for money. Believe me, there's, there's things that, you know, there's times when I go, man, if I would, if I just put all this time and attention in that I do for my YouTube into my regular contracting job, I'd, you know, be a multimillionaire, <laughs> but, um, you know, I love it. I love the, create, yeah. you know, I love, I'm a competitive person. So I love that, that competitive, you know, if, if I see myself getting kicked down, I want to get back up and I want to just, just keep going. And I also want to be, I like being creative to me. It's a creative outlet. The way I, I shoot my videos, the way I produce them, the way I teach them, the way everything about it is like a creative process that also has the viewership involved because they're kind of again your audience is also shaping what your content is too because without them there it, it wouldn't happen so you see you you put it out there you see what sticks you know see what people like in general and then it's like a collective effort of of creating this content and to me it's a form of art so i i, I really enjoy that part and if i ever get sick of it you know one day then you know that'll be it but it's going good now I love that, Isaac. I think that's, you had a ton of great points in that. And one thing, you know, me and Davis, I, like I said, we said earlier, I think it's our 31st episode that we're coming out with, something like that, or 30 or something. I know we've done over 30. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, me and Davis struggled with just doing it, to be honest, talking on a podcast or on Zoom to someone in person like this or over video like this, because it's, in person, we can do it all day long. I can talk to a brick wall, but there's something weird about being filmed about it that you want to change who you think you are. And, you know, that's not the case. And it, it's just something that we had to realize, that, hey, look, people, first of all, they don't know us, so they, they don't know what we're like. And so that we don't have to try to hide anything because they've never met us before. And second of all, you can't keep up that facade going long enough because eventually it's going to come out and people are going to be like, oh, wait, so who, who is the, who is this guy that we're listening to? Right. Is he the, is he Walker or is he this facade or fake, you know, look that you put out? And I love that you're saying that because I feel like a lot of people on YouTube have to be, they want to be like someone else. You know, they see all these different YouTube channels that are doing really well. And so they try to imitate what those channels are doing by acting like the people on there. You know, and that's just like you said, that's just not the case. Just be you, do it and go out. And I love that. You know, that's yeah. yeah uh, just, and I yeah, and I'd say my my other favorite YouTuber and I mentioned it before was uh Sal de Blasi. 
and he's he's from Boston. He's got a thick Boston accent. He's just an older dude. And I, I, I told him, my dude, Sal, just hearing your voice, you know, on the videos is what makes me want to watch him. You know, I hear your Boston. It's just so, so cool to hear it. And that's just him. He's not trying to be anybody else. He's just being himself and it really works. And um, he's been like kind of my role model as far as like wanting to what I'd want my channel to be like. And, you know, so he's, he's been kind of, you need those role models too. Right. And in, in anything in life. And I think that's one thing that I've had, had going for me, you know, first of all, you know, my father, who was a hard worker, he was a good example, the early tile setters that I looked up to. And uh, so I think that's really important, especially in construction. If people are getting into construction, you need somebody to look up to. You need, there, there needs to be those people where you're like, man, I want what they have. And I think for a long time, the construction trades didn't have that going for them. There's a lot of selfishness. Um, I don't know that it just, again, social media has awakened that again. You see people posting these incredible things, whether it's tile work or even electricians and plumbers, plumbers can put some stuff in, you know, like a boiler room and all their, their yeah. piping. And I go, man, that looks, that just looks sick. Yeah. And so awesome. I think, and that's, I, I think that the, the trades are being built back up for one, uh, the money is better than you're going to find if, even if you're a banker, mortgage broker, stuff like that, construction's where it's at right now. So the money's coming up and the prestige. And so when I first started my YouTube channel, I saw like a huge need for getting more people into the trades and we still need them skilled labor. There's still a big shortage because everybody, you know, I would say, you know, people are less likely to, to put in the grind, you know, being an apprentice, being humble and, you know, working really hard. A lot of, a lot of people want to just get into it and be like, Oh, Hey, you know, I want to start making a bunch of money. <laughs> you know, well, that's not really how it is, but when I created my channel, I wanted to make, uh, make it attractive for kids who are in high school, an alternative option for going to college, because as you know, everything that's, that's told the kids come out of high school. I mean, well, from the minute you get in high school, they're giving you the track to get to a four-year university. Right. And so like, that's pretty much the only option if you're not going to a four-year university or a junior college, you're pretty much a failure. I mean, even like the kids who are going to JCs were looked at, oh, he's just going to a JC. And so, you know, I was a, I was a high school football coach too. And I saw all these kids with like, could have, could have been like really good skilled builders. And, but they were just like, nah, my, you know, mom and dad want me to go to, go to college. And then they get some degree that just is useless now. And um, so I was the point of my, you know, early in the YouTube channel was to get and you'll hear me in my videos talk about getting people into the trades, find another contractor that that is reputable, that has a life that you want to have and hook up with them, go learn from him, learn what he did, learn the skills that he has, how he interacts with people and everything and then uh, jump on in. But um yeah, I think it's I think it's a lot better now than when I started my channel. It was like there was nobody getting into the trades. Now, now the money's so good that there's probably going to be a lot more people getting into it. Isaac, I love that you brought that up because the whole premise of 
laying foundations podcast is just exactly what you said. You know, me and Davis, we didn't know about really construction as a career. You know, we, we were both in different majors and ended up transferring, switching, ending up in construction. And we went the four year degree, you know, we, we went that route, but only to realize that, Hey, not, we didn't necessarily have to go that Davis almost went the, the trade route, you know, cause he was like, I'm, I'm sick of this. Right. Um, and so we started laying foundations just because we saw these high school kids coming out that just don't know what to do. You know, they don't, they don't want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an architect, an engineer, but to them, they've been told like exactly what you just said. They've been told so many times by all these different people that, well, if you're not one of those, then I guess you're a failure. There's nowhere else to go. You know, I guess you're going to end up doing X, Y, Z job for the rest of your life or working in a factory, whatever, you know, all these different things, but there, cause then you hear dirty construction worker. That's what we always mm-hmm. say on here. That's what people think. You know, they see people on the side of the road and they blame them for everything, but little do they know that that guy in, in muck boots, in the hole digging something out is probably making double what some of the guys driving past the roads making and he's the reason that they can drive on that road you know and it's like i don't know it's crazy because people just don't realize that and so for you you kind of mentioned it already you you kind of answered my question but what advice would you give to these high schoolers you know young college age kids who are like i'm thinking about the trades but i don't I don't know if I can pull the trigger yet. You know, what's, what's something you would say to them? Well, I'd probably just say, uh, you know, I think, I think we're all born with unique talents and have different tendencies to, to go into. Right. I know that there's, there's people, there's guys that are, you know, can sit longer than others and, and can just concentrate. My son is actually one of them. He loves video games. He's, he's 12 years old and you know, doing things. I mean, he'll, he'll play some ball and stuff, but for the most part, he, he likes, he can, he can sit and uh, tinker with the computer. He built his own PC. He can do stuff like that. And um, for me, I'm more of a a doer, you know, I'm like always out wanting to do things, build things, hike, hunt, fish, whatever, uh, play golf, whatever it is. And so I think we all have, you know, unique talents, you know, to, to our own individual self. And so I think, I think there just needs to be the option for those kids. And I think one of the things I I also believe strongly that, that ADD, you know, ADD and ADHD is uh, way overdiagnosed just because there's kids who need to be that are like myself that need to be doing things that can't sit in a, in a classroom. And so I think there just needs to be an avenue for those kids to be able to, to go and have a successful life uh, without feeling like it's a step back. We're, we're just wired a little bit different. So I don't think the trades are for everybody, I think, but it is for, for some people. And I think um, most people, by the time, you know, they're in high school, they know what, what kind of person they are. They know what they like to do. They, and so for those people uh, getting into the trades, you know, I would say, you know, you just, gosh, how, how would I even put it? I always tell people, um, again, just find somebody that looks like they're a good, good person. And again, the trades have had a, a bad name for a long time because it's, you know, kind of synonymous with alcoholism, drug addiction, you know, just being tired and beat down, you know, the, the construction worker, 
you'd always hear about, you know, it was just old smoking cigarettes and, and, and beat down their joints hurt, their back hurts. And you're like, man, I don't want that life, but it's, it's changed a lot. There's a lot more awareness about alcoholism and drug addiction. Uh, there's, there's better safety. You know, we wear knee pads. Now we were respirators, right. we were eye protection. So you're not killing yourself. Um, and so it, it's a lot different now than it was. I mean, it, there, there's a lot, you can have a healthy life in the trades. You don't have to, you know, drink beer, a six pack of beer every day just to make yourself feel better after work. And so um, for me, I quit drinking when I was 24 years old. I've been clean and sober ever since. And so that's, that's been, yeah. And so that's been a huge difference for me too, is that I always tell people, um, you know, contracting and and if you're self-employed, it doesn't end after work. You know, you usually have some phone calls to make. If um, you're drinking a lot, you're going to forget. You're going to forget those little details. You're going to forget what you got to do in the morning, this, this, that, and that. But I always tell people, you know, look for a contractor that has what you want, whether that's a, a company, you know, it could be a company and you, you see their trucks driving around and you go, man, those, those guys look like they have it going on. Or it could just be one guy you see in the Home Depot and just be like, hey, man, you know, um, you need any help. You know, I'd like to help out, pay me minimum wage, and I just want to check it out. But yeah, it's, it's usually just jumping in there. But it takes the right person. Again, I, I wouldn't want to take, tell somebody who, who is more predisposition to, to be a desk worker or um, something like that to go out and, and jump right in with a construction guy. Cause you'll just get eaten up. I mean, if it's not for you and I guess you could always find that out too. You'll know real quick if, if it's for you, for me, I knew right when I was started doing tile, I had it. And so uh, I just started looking for, for people that could be those role models and, and do what they did. All right. Isaac, I love that. You know, you mentioned a lot of cool points. I want to hit on really quickly. One of them, I love the, the talents of people that could can sit and camp because I'm one of those guys that I don't know if you can tell, but I'm kind of already just like moving around. And, you know, for me, my, my fiance, she would tell, tell me that you were literally just like born to go into construction because I can't sit still for longer than, you know, 10 minutes. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that's exactly right. You don't want people that, that can't do it. Cause if you're more inclined, like your son, God love him. I'm, I'm glad that he can do that and sit there and, tinker with video games and computers because I can't do it. We need people mm-hmm. that can. But if you're one of those guys that's just a go-getter and wants to get after it and be more a little more physical, I mean, this is the industry for you. So I love that perception. And then also, you know, that's one of the things we've talked about too of the, the misconception around trades like you mentioned. I'll hit on it really briefly is there's more awareness and safety and we need to do a better job of just, you know, on, on each call me and Walker we're on, we try to mention that, um, you know, construction is still number one in suicide, uh, the number one industry in suicide. And so this industry, like, you know, we're working, like you said, to, to change that perception. And we're working to help people realize that this is a better industry, but it starts with people like us that want to talk about it, you know, and talk about, you know, there are some difficulties in it and we're not going to shy away from it, but go find the people like you mentioned, go find that contractor that is a good dude or a good lady that wants to give you a shot and go learn from them. And that's where I wanted to go is mentoring because you mentioned it earlier and you mentioned it how, um, which I can't, I don't remember how to say his name, the Boston guy, but how he kind of mentored oh. your YouTube, Sal, right? And 
what is that like for you? Because you've now done been in the YouTube and you've been working as a tile setter and there had to have been someone on both sides, talk to you and mentor you. I cannot speak, you know, more highly of people that are willing to go teach younger kids that want to come into construction. What is that whole role like? Oh, it's, in, it's incredible. I mean, it's one of the most enjoyable things that I've had is, is, you know, my, my brother-in-law, who's my wife's brother, Steve, uh, he he came on board in uh, 2004. So right after I started my company, um, he came to, to work for me. He was right out of high school. And, you know, he kind of didn't have a, another path to go. He was starting to get in a, tr- a little bit of trouble. And uh, we kind of took him under our wing. He lived with us for uh, three or four months and, and started working for me. And, uh, you know, it's been incredible. He's still working for us. He's my main guy. Uh, he makes almost a hundred thousand a year. Well, he might even make more than that, but, um, he bought his, bought his first house two years ago here in California, which, you know, that's not easy to do. That's hard to do. Yeah. And so seeing, seeing, you know, to me, seeing that happen is incredible and it's happened, you know, numerous times within my company, uh, seeing that, that happen. And to me, that's, that's what it's all about. And, and um, on the other end, there were people that, that helped me, like I said, I mean, even from that very first break that I got, you know, doing, doing the job that they, you know, the other person had flaked on, you know, they didn't need to go, you know, handing out my business cards at their tile shop. And then, you know, I met other people that just wanted to help another one guy's name is Jeff Albright. And, um, you know, they have a, a supermarket chain here and he's, he was their, their lead construction guy. And I, I ended up doing his house, um, as a referral through that same tile shop. And then he just told me, he's like, Hey man, you know, come down and check out this store. We're building these supermarkets. And, and at the time I was like, no way, man, I can't do a supermarket. I just tile floors and countertops and showers. And he goes, no, 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 check it out. So, um, and now that's been my, my best client year over year for like 15 wow. years. And he didn't have to so do cool. that. He, he just saw something in me, you know, and he was like, you know, you got potential and it, that relationship has been ever since. And so, yeah, there's just been people along the way. Um, you know, I, I believe in God, I believe, you know, Jesus is at a big part of my life and that's just part of it. You know, I can't explain it. Um, you know, I wish I could, um, but um, it's a faith thing and a belief thing that it's it's just happened and it's worked out. So it's a beautiful thing. It's not just, wasn't just me out there. You know, you hear a lot of the motivational stuff that's like, oh, you got to just go get it. You know, you do it and you do more and you do more and you do more. It's like a lot of the times I think that's counterproductive. I think you got to take your foot off mm-hmm. the gas, you know pray a little bit, meditate, find out where you are, find out what you want, hook up with the right people, you know, network, treat people well, and let, let that stuff unfold what God has for you, you know, mm-hmm. what he wants you to be your purpose in life. So that's, right. that's kind of what I've tried to let happen through this whole thing. Yeah, I love that. And Walker, if I can just real quick, the, go, the go get it and go get it and go get it. That, that kind of reminds me, I, I've been open on the podcast to talk about how God's changed my life, but during that time, you know, I feel like that's what I was. Just get it, get it, like go, grind. And there's nothing wrong if you just want to work hard and bust your butt, nothing about it, but you miss this opportunity, like you said, uh, to be 
to, to submit something that's bigger than yourself, to, to be able to go, you know what, I'm going to give the control up and wherever it goes, God, I'm just going to trust in you. If you do that, holy cow, you know, that's a very freeing point in your life if you get to that. But I love that point. And Walker, I don't know if you had something, but I, I was going to keep going if that's all right. Go for it, brother. Okay, so we, we've talked a lot. We talked a little bit about, you know, the tile set, the tile setting union. We talked about how you grew up through the trades and are working uh, in your in your business, but also in YouTube. We talked about, you know, some talents in the, the high school realm of people going into the trades. Talk about a little bit of the technology and the product side, because I know there's probably been a huge shift from when you first started to the different types of products that are now out, um, like I don't even really know how to really begin in this area, but how is it, what has it been like trying to figure out, okay, well, this is the product I use for this shower, or this is what I use for that. How, what has that been like as you've grown and your experience has gone, but you're also trying to figure out which, which product I use or which technology at that best fits, you know, my business. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I, the, the new stuff that comes out, I love trying new methods, new products, new ideas. And, Today, I think we have some really good systems that we're, we're kind of taking over from the European way of doing things. Now we're using sealed systems and showers uh, instead of the old pan liners where you got a saturated mud bed and everything has to weep. Uh, we're using bigger tiles. Uh, we got, um, you know, we got linear drains we have yeah and so these sealed systems have have allowed us to do some really cool things like the linear drains like the curbless entry showers where you don't have a lip going over uh, like putting in heated floors into a shower uh, that's one of my favorite things to do is when we do a heated tile floor that's that goes cool. all the way through the shower up on the bench and um you know awesome. getting all that stuff done uh you know putting lights in shower niches you know led lighting and and so, yeah, there's just, there, there's a lot of, lot of new technology that's, that's been pretty cool. Um, you know, at first, again, because it was our, uh, you know, the way we grew up here in California, I mean, there's a lot of resistance, even for myself at first and, it, and, um, but I've embraced it since. And, um, there's some really cool products uh, coming up. There's a, there's a, a guy, uh, his name is Chase. And he, he invented a drain, he's from Utah, and he invented a drain similar to a schluter Curdy drain. And that's all he does is the drains and he sells them, they're, they're interchangeable with any of the Schluter Laticrete systems. And he's just a dude from Utah who's a tile guy and just made it happen. That's and cool. it, it's incredible. Chase, yeah, Chase Twitchell, he's done an incredible job with flow effects. And, um, so yeah, I, I embrace the new stuff. And one of the cool things about my YouTube channel is that people just send me stuff all the time and I get to try it out. I mean, I got just packages laying around my office here that I haven't even opened because, you, you know, they just send me and I get to open it. Go, oh, this is cool. Or, you know, eh, this is, yeah, probably won't use this. <laughs> but, but yeah, so much new technology. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Isaac, what's been what's been your all-time favorite shower you've ever done or bathroom that you've ever done for a client? Mm, man, that's a tough one. And why? All or time. one of your favorite. It doesn't have to be your all-time favorite, but what what makes a shower you step back and you're like, man, this is this is one I love. Yeah, I like I like tiles. I like tiles with personality. I like seeing uh, 
what I consider like real tile, you know, we're getting a lot of the um, big tiles that are just look like concrete or stone. Um, and I, I just really like the look of a tile, like a printed tile or something that, that kind of looks, you know, old school. Uh, we did a shower um, I, and it was, I think I have a playlist on my YouTube that's called uh, Summer 2020, Summer 2020 or June, May 2020, I think is what it was called, May 2020. We did it last year, kind of right in the middle of COVID, but it was uh, this really cool shower. We did like this, this printed tile and it had all of the different and we did one big accent wall in the shower. It was like, mm -hmm. I think it was like a nine or a 10 foot wide wall, two shower heads. And then um, it was just tricked out again. It, it had two big linear drains in it, heated floor, all that stuff. I'd say that that's one of my favorites. And, and usually what makes my jobs favorites too, is the clients that we're working with. We get to work with just some incredible people. That's one of the blessings that we've had through YouTube and just an abundance of work that's come in that we really get to we get to choose our clients basically for lack of a better term and it's usually just this awesome relationship that ends up like family and we work together and so yeah that was that was a Janice and Ernie Daniels just incredible sweet people and so um, yeah that whole project uh, just came out amazing yeah, I always say, you know, good clients get good results. It's just the way it is. If it hardly ever goes well, if they're stressing on little details and items, it's like Murphy's law, man, it just goes wrong. So, so we, we do our best to, um, you know, vet our clients and make sure we have that, that good relationship and, and, you know, we're blessed, man. I mean, this, this job, there's just some days I go, you know, I can't believe this is my job. You know, it's like the perfect job. I get to work with whoever I want. I'm not stressed. I get to do YouTube videos when I want. I get to work because that's the thing too, is, you know, so we have five employees and I probably could not work at all if I wanted to, but I really like to get my hands dirty every once in a while, but I don't have to do it all the time. Right. So it's like, I get to choose what days I want to work and um, do a little project. So yeah, it's, it's been pretty awesome. And I, I want to, before I forget, I want to just say, you know, I didn't know that, that the suicide rate for construction workers was so high. Yeah. That, that's mm -hmm. a, that's a crazy statistic. I, I wonder if that's, um, like self-employed contractors or if that is if that's just construction workers and that makes that so high i don't know because it is this i mean construction can be a really stressful job and um you know i i don't know I, i'm so glad there's so much more awareness about mental health and yep. you know people needing breaks and and just take the foot off the gas every once yeah. in a while i mean right. i think that's what if, if there is a silver lining to all this COVID craziness going on is that we were forced to take our foot off the gas for a little That's right. bit. That's right. And you're got a plan for everything. Right. And figure out what's most important to you. You know, that was a, mm -hmm. a blessing in disguise there, but yeah, talking about the, the mental health and awareness, we actually had a guy on here. His name's Nihar Trivedi and he actually is in Seattle. So close to the mm -hmm. West coast. Close there. To you. There you go. And he just wrote a research paper all about mental health and 
what it's like for tradesmen and uh, the statistics and stuff that he's working through and the stuff that he does to prepare to go speak and just go talk about it. I mean, it's mind, it's mind blowing. And I really getting to, to hear him um, and from, you know, I mentioned on here, my, my aunt was a counselor at one point. Now she does leadership, but those two sides just make me like, whenever I'm out on, on my job site, I just want to go listen to guys and, figure out who they are and what makes them drive and what makes them tick because who knows what they're going through. I, I have no mm-hmm. clue. I, I know that the construction industry is changing and I'm, like, I'm excited to walk and I'm very excited to be a part of that. And we're just trying to highlight the, the good people and bring more of that and change. But I also know there's, there's some stuff that's still going on. Like you said, that there might be people that take a six pack every night and that's how they go to bed. And you know, that that's tough. And you know, that's one of the things I, I just want to rec uh, or try to encourage people is like you mentioned relationships, relationships changes everything, your relationship mm-hmm. with your employer or just the guy you're working with or whomever it may be. Don't be in a bad situation to where it's like, man, like I'm stressing over life this much or my job sucks. Like life's too short to stress out about what you do. And if you're not passionate about it, go find out. And sorry, Walker, I know you had something. No, man, I was just going to talk about, you know, I was, uh, one of the GCs I was working with over the summer, we had a guy that I worked at my, his desk was right next to mine. He committed suicide shortly after I left, you know, he was in the military and I think that was part of it. PTSD stuff too. But you would, you, the crazy thing is you would have never known. I talked to him every single day, dude, happy dude, made jokes all the time. Funny. You, you know, everyone loved him. He's, he's great to be around. And then just one day didn't show up to work. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The construction trade, I think because we, we have, you know, it's just task, 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 you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you want to get this amount done in a day and you just shoot for it and you go for it at all costs that it just, it's like a hamster wheel, man. It just, you just go and, and living like that day after day after day can yeah, really, really wear you down. And I mean, one thing I was just, I was at lunch today. I was noticing, um, I was watching the sports channel while we we're eating and they, they had a thing about Simone Biles and she just said she, she wasn't sorry for, for what happened in Tahoe or Tokyo, she said. And, and I thought about it and I go, well, isn't that a, that, that a cool thing to, for somebody to be able to just tap out, right. Be like, dude, I just can't handle this right now. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Time out. I need a break, you know, I need to go home. I need to relax. I I'm just stressed out. I can't deal with it. And, and that being okay, because we're not machines. I mean, we have a breaking point. We need, we need that, that time. So my guys, yeah, the, you know, my crew that I work with, yeah, every once in a while, one of my guys will just call me and say, Hey, Isaac, I'm just not feeling good today. And, you know, they don't make up an excuse. They don't say I'm sick. They just, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling good today. And I'm like, okay, man, chill out, get some rest. You know, if you didn't sleep, get some rest. We'll see you tomorrow. And I think, uh, again, I think that's because I wasn't always that way. I think, I think COVID did help with that, you know, realizing that there's more to life than just, just the hamster wheel with everything, you know, because we were forced to pause. We were forced to, we didn't even, we didn't have any more distractions. We didn't, didn't have work as a distraction. We didn't have sports as a distraction. We didn't have all this stuff that we used um, to keep our minds busy all the time. And it just had to shut down. And so with me, I just did a lot of reflecting like, man, yeah. Why, 
why are we doing this? Why are we working so hard? You know, why are we ignoring our kids and just working so much? You know, a lot of that stuff came up during that, but I'm, I'm really grateful that we're at a place where people can say that, you know, I'm, I'm not doing well today. I need a break. And, and that's just, uh, I think we've come a long ways in that. And, and hopefully that, that does change that statistic of, um, you know, people, you know, going out. I mean, that's, that's crazy, man. I didn't, didn't even realize that, but, um, yeah, you don't know what people are going through. You have no idea what people are dealing with. And a lot of people who have money doing well, that are affluent. Yeah. And, um, you know, if they're not feeling that purpose, um, that, and they're getting that isolation, it's not good. And that's one thing I love about our, our trades too, is that we get to work with other people. We're working together. We're not in a cubicle, right? We work with, you know, shoulder to shoulder with somebody. I mean, those are my favorite days. We just did a project, uh, a charity project of um, somewhat charity project. We, we had some help on it, but uh, we had to turn around this bathroom in five days. It was a lady who had a brain tumor and we were trying to just fix her bathroom as fast as we could because of what she was going through. And there were five of us in that bathroom on the first day in one bathroom. We had the best time, man. It was just so cool. Just, you know, we'd almost just trade off and we worked like a, just a great little team in there. Everybody stayed busy, you know? Um, but, but yeah, I love that part about being able to work with somebody. And that's another thing I got to tell all my people in the trades, and this goes along with mentorship. Uh, if, if you got it, man, get a helper. I mean, it makes it so much enjoyable to have an apprentice not for one, you're, you're teaching somebody for two, it's just making it more enjoyable. You're not beating your body up as much. And it does take a little bit of effort to explain things. And that's usually what people complain about. They go, oh man, I have to explain everything. I go, well, yeah, that you, you do, but that that passes. And then all of a sudden it's benefiting you. Now they know what to do without even saying it. But uh, a lot of guys in the construction trade want to work by themselves. And again, I think that's part of the mental health thing that that probably eats people up. If, if you're just grinding away on a, in a tile shower for eight hours a day by yourself, that's like being in solitary confinement. It's like, right. you know, mind numbing. Yeah. Mind so, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, Isaac, I, I love that. And as we kind of wrap up, Walker and I always ask these last two questions. And so going back to the mentoring side and the high schoolers, I, I would want to ask you is what are some qualities you would tell to give young people that are trying to come into the industry? What are some qualities that you think they should have? Uh, I would say, uh, punctuality being on time is is probably one of the the most important things uh being reliable uh being uh, you know where you say you're going to be be there um having a vehicle is probably one of the biggest biggest uh roadblocks we see now with young people uh, and I don't know what that is. I mean, when we were, when I was younger, everybody just got cars and that's what we did. Now it seems like, uh, younger people are less likely to get their license, you know, when they're sick, you know, they wait a little bit longer to get their license. I don't know if they don't see the need to, or maybe their parents are a little overcautious or something, but it seems like we have a lot of trouble with transportation. And that's one of the biggest keys, 
uh, to being hireable is having reliable uh, transportation. So yeah, being on time, uh, being early, you know, it's okay to be early. That was taught to me early on, you know, it's okay. Be 10 minutes early. It's not, you're not going to hurt anybody's feelings if you're 10 minutes early. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Just be willing, have an open mind and uh, the rest kind of takes care of itself. I love that. I always feel, I always go back to when I'm, when I have a meeting or anything, I always go back to the saying, it's like, when you're early, you're on time. When you're on time, you're late. And when you're late, you're fired. Yeah. I always, I always think about that when I'm, I'm about to have a meeting with someone, but Isaac, so the last question I always ask people and, and hopefully it stumps you because we usually get some pretty good answers on it. But uh, you know, if you, you've been in the industry for a long time. You've been in business for a long time and you live life for a long time. So you, you've seen a lot of different things that have, have been around. You know, if you could go back to your 20 year old self with the knowledge that you know now, what, what would you tell yourself? Oh, shoot. I would probably tell myself to enjoy the ride. Hmm, I think I think a lot of my life yeah, I kind of alluded to it a little bit before I was always trying to get somewhere else, you know, grinding you know, if I just get to here, if, if I can just get this, if I can just get that. And really, that's a trap because that that's a never ending cycle that you can just keep going and going. And I, I wish when I was younger, when I was in my you know mid 20s and I had little kids, I think I, I would have spent more time, you know, just enjoying it mm-hmm. and, and not focusing so much on where I needed to get. Um, but enjoying it a little bit more. I think that's, that's probably what I would tell myself that all, all of these, you know, the path, the path is, is what it's all about. It's, it's not about arriving to someplace. It's the journey to get there. That's what, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that then, then the little hiccups, the little road bumps that, you know, veer you off of the course where you thought you were going to go actually end up being some of the best things that ever happened to you. And so uh, that's that's some advice that I would go back and give myself. Uh, just, love that. just enjoy the ride, man. I love that because Walker mentioned that early on with with with, with us about the podcast and mm-hmm. kind of what you mentioned earlier. We joked about it, man. We only got forty six views of these past mm-hmm. two weeks, but you know if we don't enjoy the ride, whenever we're able to say we get to a, we're having a, a crazy amount of views, that's great. But if we didn't enjoy it the whole time, then what was the point of doing it in the first place? So I love that Walker has some good wisdom there. So do you, Isaac? Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it could never again. Like I, I got my uh, silver play button, one hundred thousand subs back awesome. in February, and it didn't take long before I was like, okay, what's it going to take to get a million? I mean, really, I mean, it just, it can turn. Then I said, no, yeah. you know, I'm really going to enjoy this. This is awesome. And my wife ended up, my wife and my daughters ended up making me a cake with, you know, hundred K cool. subs. We That's had a big awesome. party. I was like, man, oh, this I love is that. incredible. And then I just spent more time thinking about what it took to get to where I was at instead of where I need to go. And uh, it was, it was really cool. So yeah, that's, that's about, about it, man. I love that. Isaac, thank you so much for being on the show, man. We had an awesome time. Love learning about you and I appreciate all the wisdom and guidance and, and knowledge that you gave us today. It's awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast today. We cannot tell you how thankful we are for every single one of our listeners. And we genuinely want to know and learn about you a little bit more. So if you're interested, uh, maybe sending us a question or just saying, hey, or wanted to talk to us a little bit, 
please reach out to us at contact at laying-foundations.com. If you need, if you didn't hear that, didn't understand it, you can go in our show notes and just click on the link and write us an email, please. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Seriously, me and Davis get excited every single time we get an email from one of our listeners. It, it, it genuinely makes our day. But if you want to find out a little bit more about us uh, via social media, Davis is going to tell you a little bit how to do that. Yeah, thanks, Walker. Guys, like Walker said, reach out to us any way you can. We appreciate feedback, whether you like it or not. You know, it helps us grow in any way. We're welcome. We're, we're here to listen. And whenever you guys tell us, we're going to try to implement that into our strategy. But how to get in contact with us on social media. We have a LinkedIn account called the Lang Foundations Podcast. We have uh, Walker, Walker Lott's LinkedIn profile. We have Davis Hambrick LinkedIn profile. We have a TikTok page called Lang.Foundations. We have an Instagram page, Lang Foundations. And then, you know, that's where we're at. These are all down in the in the show notes. But, guys, we just want to put this out there. And however you want to get in contact with us, we're, we're, we're imploring you, please, just reach out to us. We'll respond. We'll get back to you. And we want to hear from you. That that you're the reason, one of the reasons why we're doing this. We want to hear from you. We want to hear feedback. How can we grow and how can we get better? Because like we said before, um, receiving accountability and receiving feedback is one of our core values, and that defines Walker and I at our core. We want to hear your feedback. We want to hear your feedback.